Hi, this is Tony Holbein with the Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how to create targets you can actually hit. We're going to discuss ambition versus reality, how to close the gap and how actually not to close that gap, and how you can use top-down and bottom-up planning in order to do so. So who's going to come up with the intro topic? Yeah, it's always a difficult one. <laughs> you can't always be creative. It's, it cannot be forced. Things are moving. Uh, Mikkel just spilled water all over. Yeah. Uh, let's see if this is going to work out here. I'm not sure if the equipment is now broken, but uh, maybe go for it. Yeah, there's some sparks coming out of this thing, but uh, I think it's okay. We go. Just need to, uh, I need to get that credit card. But today, we're going to talk about targets. I mean, we love targets, especially when we hit them. And when we worked together last time, we were really good at it, actually. Mm -hmm. It was 14 quarters in a row? 12. 12. Ah. But who's counting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think there was a, a gecko board that was counting. Yeah. But, you know, then it's really fun as a team. You hit your targets. Everything is moving. Motivation builds. Momentum builds. But I think we've also seen it can be really hard to actually set a target. And set a target that the team believes in, that you can actually reach. And I want to peel the onion a little bit on the issue with, with target setting, right? Because there's kind of a, a little bit of a scale that either it's unambitious and then people get too comfy and relaxed because, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to hit that goal easy. It's, it's not going to be an issue, right? So just, just relax. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other side where you're sitting at a town hall Big numbers presented. Everybody looks around and say, yeah, we're never going to hit that. Where, How on earth is that going to materialize? And I think we should talk a bit about this conundrum here, this, this specific problem, what it does to a team. Yep. So let's jump into it. Uh, I think goals and targets, they have a couple of different purposes, actually. Uh, one of them is certainly to motivate. Mm. It's to motivate the team. Hey, you know, we can we can go to the moon. Let's shoot for it and yada yada and kind of go there. And in order to get the team behind you, you will need to you will need to have them believe in it just a little bit. If you if you put something out there that no one can see their path towards, then it's very difficult to have it as a motivating thing versus a crushing thing. And you as a revenue leader, even as a CEO or you know, what, whatever function you have in order to set targets and goals, you really need to find the balance between setting it just right, right? You can almost say it uh, needs to be a bit of a stretch target in there. It needs to be, people need to be feeling like, um, hey, this is not going to be easy. But if we all pull together and if we all push, we can maybe get there, right? Mm. And I think the, the, the conundrum that many people are facing is that the board wants one number and the organization can only deliver another one. Oh, yeah. And the, and the question really is then sometimes as a, as a CRO, as a CEO, where, you know, what, what do you do here now? Do you just take the, the board number blindly that maybe is written into your comp plan and just throw it into the org and, and see what happens? Or do you take a different approach? Do you take a number that maybe is lower than the what you know you told you're gonna hit the board, uh, hit to the board, which obviously is difficult, right? To kind of almost admit defeat in this session uh, on that that second. But the you know the upside here then would be that you actually instead of 
you know, only you are being demotivated and not the rest of the organization, yeah. right? And then you basically delay the figuring out how to close that gap for just a little bit longer mm. until you maybe do or you don't. I think it's also crucial that you are transparent with the numbers that are put in front of you and don't just accept, accept them and take them on the chin, right? Because if you can say, hey, so look at the plan, Q2, we have an issue. We're, we're not going to be able to actually deliver what is in the plan because then usually what will happen is a conversation follows then what is needed in order to hit that plan. And that's, that's very different, mm -hmm. right? So what I did in the past, and, and sometimes was good, sometimes was bad, I basically forced myself to be able to explain to even account executives how they're going to hit their target. Mm. And, and, and sometimes that was great uh, because it all worked out. And sometimes it wasn't so great. And, and obviously that's difficult, right? But the if you are as a CRO, as a RevOps leader, as a revenue leader, if you are asked by someone in your organization how we're actually going to hit this target and you're unable to give any kind of answer. And and by the way, I think, I think having a gap where you say, ah, we will need to figure this out in an annual plan is something very different than in a quarterly plan. And a quarterly plan, you can't have this, oh, you know, this 10, 15% gap. No, we will figure this out. They, no, you won't. And, and no one will believe you, right? And uh, if, you, if you basically uh, have to use the we will figure this out phrase, let's just say once or even more than once, then I think that's a great indicator that you probably set the wrong target. Yeah? And, and this is usually what uh, CEOs do or, or other people that kind of just hand down the problem And they're kind of crossing their fingers and hoping that, hey, you know, I'm paying all of these people so much money. I'm uh, they're, they're having so much equity. They have all more experience than I do. Uh, Summer will figure this out. And then fingers crossed and waiting and waiting. And, you know, usually, usually they don't because they're, by the way, also busy with all the day-to-day -day stuff and the already ambitious targets that are going on. Mm. It's, a, it's, it's always a difficult conversation, right? And I think... Again, it's about finding the balance between not being too ambitious, as in it's not going to be able to hit, and you know, not being ambitious enough. And how how do you find that sweet spot, basically? Yeah, I think the way you find that sweet spot is by having a good feeling for what is achievable. Hmm. I think that's where it starts. You need to kind of know where will we be able to go if things keep going as they are right now, because that's it's usually it's a good baseline or benchmark for your organization going forward yeah and then there will be the ambitious number that you discussed in the board you know your cfo said well if we want to keep that valuation up we will have to triple there's no way around it and we will need to do it according to those metrics and then you know the the company needs to basically be fantastic mm. right and uh, that's your ambitious plan and then you have your uh, hey this is what we think we can achieve right now plan And uh, you and the executive team at that point, you will need to figure out how to close that gap. And you can close that gap in two ways. Uh, one is you're able to find ways to move the reality plan up. And the other one is to move the ambitious plan down. Yeah? And my, my advice would actually be to rather have that conversation in the beginning of the year, or actually at the end of the last year, maybe even where you have strength from a good year end, And then rather kind of push some of the board stuff down, yeah. Instead of you, uh, you know, sitting in the boardroom 
having missed two quarters in a row and begging for pulling the the, the plan down. That will that mm. will be a terrible conversation to yeah. have. Yeah, totally. And I think it's also you we talked a lot about how you go about actually getting to the numbers, right? So there's a there's some cases where it's very much top down and they, they go, here's your number. Mm-hmm. Go go figure it out. But actually if you take an approach where it's also bottom up mm-hmm. and go in and say, okay, marketing, this is how we perform so far this year. What are your take what's your take on next year? Then you will start figuring out that there are certain things that can be scaled to a limit up to a point. Mm-hmm. And there are some things where it's, hey, if we want to grow the organic inbounds we get because we have a strong brand presence, that's going to take us maybe eight months to make an impact or, or half a year. And it's hard for us to predict. Right? Yep. It, it kind of changes the understanding of what can the different teams do and what do they need and how much time, like resources as yep. well, do they need. So I think there is merit and necessity in both approaches, the top-down and the bottom-up. I think the top-down approach really has the advantage of, sure, it's, it's fast, but it also gives the ability for C-level to communicate a strategy in numbers, if you will, right? Hey, we want to two and a half X. We want to see uh, revenue be 40% from the US next year. Um, and we want to uh, build this outbound channel. Yeah, that is that is that should be the strategy in in a plan, if you will. Mm. And then you know that then needs to be matched up by a bottom up plan. And that bottom up plan really needs to start at the bottom, right? <laughs> and the and the bottom is not revenue numbers or something like that. The bottom is way deeper than this. Yeah. And uh, which which then which then really again we haven't even touched on the the whole target goal conversation further down. Because really, at the end of Q1, let's just say you hit the revenue target, which you usually will, by the way, uh, because it's basically baked already when you create the plan. So you're gonna have high five moments; everyone is happy. But the the real the real measure at the end of Q1 should be: Did you hit all the other things further down the funnel to then put you in a position to hit Q2? That should really be the conversation. And what I see many, many times is, and you know, obviously celebration culture and you need to you need to celebrate the good stuff and revenue is really important. And when you hit that, that's a good thing. So you should celebrate that. But at the same time, at least you as a RevOps leader or person or, uh, you know, revenue leader, while you may be on the facade, are happy that you hit the revenue number, I think there needs to be a very clear conversation going on behind the facade, behind the curtain, if you will, Um Okay, did we actually hit all the other numbers that we needed? To, did the did the funnel move in a way as we as we said it should in order for us to be able to hit the Q2 number, for example, right? Mm. A top-down plan, first of all, won't won't give you that opportunity. And and second of all, if you if you don't in your execution track all the different things, all the leading indicators, then basically, you know, Q1 will look good, maybe, Q2 will already look terrible. Q3, it's then seasonality. And then you all put it into Q4. And, you know, Q4, we sometimes see it's like a, it's the whiplash quarter. <laughs> you know? It's like uh, the, the very end of the whip kind of accelerates really fast. Yeah. And suddenly you kind of close, obviously, a record quarter in Q4 all the time. Some people call it backloaded and so forth. And uh, and it's basically a Hail Mary and everyone in the organization knows it's not going to happen. Mm. Okay, so let's maybe talk a bit about the other dimension, right? So in many, many, many cases, you're, you're going to have this push and pull happening in the organization. You're going to have a board 
and the executive leadership where they do in fact have a number that we are going to need to hit this number. And then you have the organization that needs to go and deliver it saying, well, with what we have today, we, we will have a delta. There will be a gap in the plan. And I think in, in most organizations, that's going to happen almost every time. So how do you go about that? And, and, and you know, you're going to have revenue operations sitting right there in the middle, potentially working with finance. How do you go on solving that issue? So I think really, again, setting goals and targets is kind of two purposes. One is obviously to, you know, try and hit that number. And the other one is to be motivational. And the cool piece here about every company is everyone can set their own targets and their own goals, right? So this is really the flexibility we're now talking about. And I think, and it's, you know, sure, it's a bit un unconventional, if you will, but I think you should have a clear plan that is executable for the large part of the organization. Yeah, so let's just call that the reality plan or the action plan or something like that. And that will inevitably change a little bit. You know, you will tweak it a little bit. You will have some bats that land well and you have some bats that won't land so well. And, uh, and really the, the importance here is that quarter over quarter, these, these things are super clear to the organization. But at the same time, you should have the ambitious plan somewhere in a drawer. And if um, either you're the CEO or the CRO, but you should basically hold your departmental leaders, your revenue leaders, and actually also your revenue operations leaders, you should hold them accountable to that desired plan. That doesn't mean necessarily, you know, comp them or something like that. But basically, in your one-on-ones, in your monthly business reviews, in your QBRs, you want to see the ambitious plan overlaid on top of it. And you want to ask questions, hey, Jack, how how are we going to get there? Mm -hmm. You know, this is, you know, sure, we have the, the easy plan and so forth, but the easy plan is not going to help us, you know, survive and be successful as a company. It's kind of leading us in the wrong direction. You know, you as a VP of marketing, uh, you as a VP of sales, you as a VP of CS, what are the things that you are doing and thinking about to move us in that direction? Yeah, And these things, I think, I think on that level can be high friction. I think there can be high pressure and stress and all of that. At the end of the day, it is their job to figure this out. But you don't want to. What you what you don't want to do is to take that pressure and you know spray it across the whole organization. Mm. That 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 is the absolute wrong thing to do. And I think this is what many people are struggling with by harping too much on the ambitious plan and um, and just not wanting to accept the 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 alternative plan. And you kind of need to use those two things at the same time for different parts of the organization in order to try and move the reality piece up. Mm. Right. I also remember at some point we we had the same conundrum of, of a delta, right? And we knew we could deliver up to a point. But then what was I, I found what, what was pretty smart is then we had, I think, four strategic initiatives and we knew not all of them were going to succeed. We, we knew that from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But if one of them would succeed or two of them would succeed up to a point, then we would be home, right? So I think there's also something with the mentality and how you bring it to the organization and say, hey, these are some of the things we're going to do and we know they're all not all going to be successful. It creates a bit of safety, which is going to be important as well, especially when you have that ambitious plan. Otherwise, it's easy to default back to the, oh, but this is what we can hit. This is safe. We yeah. told you. 
I think, you know, it sounded great at the time. I'm not sure if I'm still such a big fan. So basically the idea was, hey, let's have four different bats. You know, it's a typical thing. Everyone calls it mm. a freaking bat. Uh, let's have four bats. All of them need to be of a size to close the gap that we have. And we know that not all of them are going to, you know, turn out as as we hope they would be. But maybe in some, they will. Mm. I think this can be a good way to address the gap. I think there's also a flip side to it. And the flip side is, well, you're kind of diluting your resources. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and that approach... That approach kind of works in venture capital or in, you know, stocks or something. Let's just spread my capital across those four assets here. But in organizations, it doesn't work like that. The focus of an organization, you know, the focus of everyone, mm. even though you kind of try and compartmentalize it and, oh, no, this sits with partnerships and this sits with over there, it still takes up mental space in, in, in people's heads. And because of that, I think it's, it's a little bit dangerous to go into it in that, in that kind of way. It's too too much of a hail mary bet. It's it's too much of a hail mary bet, and and also in addition, it's uh, why not make it five? Mm. Why not make it ten? You know, why not uh, why not say hey, we have four of those bets for that part of the gap, and four of those bets for this part of the gap, and you kind of you know you kind of build a methodology that has you end up in the same conundrum as before, honestly, mm. right? And also by saying uh, all of those bets maybe have a twenty twenty five percent chance of of hitting. You kind of tell everyone it's totally fine to, you know, if it doesn't work <laughs> out, it's fine. And so, so and I think that that's why also this target setting, goal setting is so difficult because you want to find the right balance. I would probably advise to keep it to one, maybe two, uh, two of those bets. And, um, and I would keep it to, you know, bets like figuring out this new channel, figuring out this new market. Mm. Uh, and really think deeply about what what are the resources we know need to stack behind those two bets in order for them to have even a a slight chance of 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 getting where you want to go. Yeah. You don't just want to send people out there with a broom when they need a camera and a laptop or something, right? It yeah, <laughs> needs it, to be it, with resources. No, it happens it. all the time and um and sometimes I also simply see that executives uh, just accept targets. Mm. You know, it's basically the Oh yeah, we had buy-in from the whole organization, and we walked around and put a gun to their head, kind of approach. And um, first of all, I think it's the best way to get fired. Take those targets, you know, mm. eat them, and then try and make it another 12 months, and yeah. then you know, you know, things will come out, and that obviously trickles all the way up to the CEO and the board and all of that stuff. And the and the other thing is also once you take some of those targets on, you know, sit sit back, think deeply about how you're going to fix that. Uh, maybe some of that can come from your existing funnel. Maybe some some areas you need to be more creative, but then you need to, you know, I sometimes say you need to price it in. You make it. You need to make it cost something. Yeah. You need to come back a week later and be like, okay, well, dear CFO, if you want me to take this, it's gonna cost another X. Mm. Uh, and do you still want to have it? Yeah. Right. And now you have a conversation. Now there's a balancing happening, yeah. which which you otherwise wouldn't have if, uh, if someone just said you know yes to a you know an MQL target or whatever it's going to be. And I think that's why it's so critical when you go about the plan. It has to be a conversation. There has to be a pusher pressure coming from the top, right? Saying, "Hey, can we achieve this, mm -hmm. please?" But then there also has to be a push from the bottom saying, it, "Well, we can, but then we're going to need these things that are not in budget or yeah. are not yet planned for." And uh, and that's where the good stuff happens. And I also think all of this bad stuff, try and keep it as little as possible mm. because the, the problem here is 
you will have very little data-driven arguments to yeah. push in one or the other direction. So whenever you will come with pushing it lower, it will seem like it's your opinion and then someone else has an opinion and wants to push it higher. Mm. So that's why I keep those to one or two and keep them almost at the, hey, they're as important as an experiment so they can fail. So don't make them 50% of your plan or something like that. Um, and instead, uh, I believe 80 to 90% of your plan should be coming from stuff that's proven already. Yeah. And for these things, you have data. You have stuff to back it up with. Um, you can say, well, you know, last time we did X and, you know, we have this conversion rate. And um, the CFO will say, hey, you know, 10%, that's below benchmark, wherever he gets this benchmark from. Yeah. It should really be 15%. And you might even agree, but the problem here is you just increased it by 50%, five zero. Right. And and that is, by the way, also a whiplash effect. You know, once you build it all the way out, yeah. you will see how that's going to look like. So uh, having data driven conversations and saying like, well, we can maybe get it from 10 to 11 realistically, but jumping from 10 to 50, uh, 15 is just not going to be possible. Yeah. But everybody wants to speed up so fast all the time. And there's it's, it's not going to happen. No, it's, that's yeah. And and on top of that, C CFOs really like conversion rates. <laughs> <laughs> because it basically keeps the input the same but increases the output. So this is the efficiency stuff. And I think as a CFO, uh, you will probably always talk about conversion rates and ACVs yeah. and, and these kind of things. And I think it's a good talking point. You should just make sure to keep it actionable, kind of, you know, who who in the organization can actually do something about it. But um, yeah. whole whole different topic. But I think it's getting ba back to, and maybe we're getting too deep, right? But as part of this bottom-up, uh, exercise, right? You'll actually learn that revenue is not created the same way. And you'll start to see some of the thing, things we discussed in the previous episodes, where are the ceilings, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are going to be ceilings. You can't just get an SDR to call, you know, book 20 meetings when they're used to being at 14 or something like mm -hmm. that, right? There's just a natural limit to how much can be done. And the same goes for marketing, right? And I think understanding those nuances as you try and close the delta they're going to be critical. And that's that's where, again, if you're sitting in revenue operations or actually if you sit in sales or marketing, it doesn't matter, then you want to collaborate with someone who can help you uncover where is the revenue being produced. Yeah. I think the missing superpower in many commercial organizations is, in fact, revenue operations because really who sits on the other side of the table it's the finance guy or lady. Hmm. And and yeah, they will they will come prepared to that meeting. And they will have all the data and, you know, all the stuff. And then, you know, how do you look, right? Yeah. And who's 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 going to back up your case? And it's really going to be revenue operations. Yeah. That's going to be the quant team of the commercial side. And you really want to have them sitting next to you and be able to, you know, pull up pull up the data if, if you need it in order to really drive that conversation. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's not fully seasoned for target setting for next year yet, but it's a good time maybe to start thinking about it, actually. I think a lot of teams are starting to think about it a lot yeah. right now. And I think it's not only an annual thing. I think even this annual thing is, by the way, completely flawed. Why? <laughs> why do you do why do you do annual targets? I mean, I'm sorry. It just doesn't make any any freaking sense. It should be rolling at least. Should it be a three-month rolling or twelve-month rolling? I don't know. But it shouldn't be annualized, right? You shouldn't come to December and be like, oh, uh, well, next year is completely different. So yeah. Let's have 25 hires 1st of January. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. So that should have happened actually in October, right, guys? And uh, anyway, so it's um, I, I feel I feel there should be some kind of a planning motion happening continuously, more, yeah. probably more on the quality level. Um, but yeah, don't don't wait. Don't wait for this 
legacy piece of budgeting yeah. uh, to drive your planning. But I guess actually the key takeaway here is it's totally fine to set an annual plan, but you definitely want to look, does it need to be revised, right? Mm -hmm. Because things change. Yes. And and there needs to be a process for that because uh, just speaking for myself, when you've been in marketing and, and done that for a while, you get very laser focused on delivering the projects and initiatives that's going to drive the leading indicators leading to revenue. So you might not necessarily have the time to stop for a moment and think, hey, there's something happening in the industry right now that is going to have an effect in the coming quarters, right? Yeah. And and I think we've talked about RevOps, how do they become a strategic business partner? This is exactly where they can go in and help and say, hey, are you aware that this is happening right now? Um, I've run a scenario on the numbers. We should run through them and discuss what changes needs to happen and then internally align with the stakeholders yeah. we have. And suddenly you as a RevOps professional uh, grow up and be an actual advisor to that person yeah. instead of, uh, hey, your reps are not, checking that field in Salesforce <laughs> all the time. So uh, I'm going to have a serious conversation with you now. But you know, it's also, it, what it is, is I, I read this at some point that, you know, your job is to make your boss look good, mm -hmm. right? For RevOps, it's a little bit different. It's making all the revenue leaders look good. If they can achieve that, then they've succeeded. Yeah, I think that's a great way, actually. A great that's, way to putting it. We, and we should put it on a sticker. Yeah, well, <laughs> on a cardboard or something like that. Um, wonderful, Mikkel. I think that was fun. Yeah was really good. So, hope you guys enjoyed it. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that. We're going to be pushing out more and more of this stuff, covering all the good subjects within growth, revenue growth. Boom. 